Good morning, everybody. We're talking about the church in Thyatira today. And we're looking through, of course, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And today we're talking about the church in Thyatira. And it is termed as the corrupted church. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this church. First, let me talk about the city. The city wasn't that much of a well-known city. But what is known about that city is that they discovered a lot of remnants of guilds, signs of various guilds, associations, something that like trade unions, we would consider trade unions today. So it is a unique city full of trade guilds, wool workers, linen workers, makers of outer garments, dyers, leather workers, etc. And this is the thing about these guilds in this city. Membership of guilds was compulsory. If you wanted to trade in your skill, if you wanted to gain employment in a certain job, you needed to belong to that particular guild. So membership was compulsory. If you are not a member of that guild, you could not work or trade in the city. Now this is the problem. Each guild was also connected to a deity and a temple. And so, in order to be a member of that guild, you had to participate in the activities of that temple that the guild was dedicated to. So attendance of the meetings were compulsory, and the meetings involved food offered to idols, where they'd go through the ceremonial idol worship, and so the meal that was served was symbolic to the covenant that you had made with that particular deity. And not only that, there were sexual immorality also practiced during these meetings. So that's the basic background of this city. To trade, you needed to belong to a guild. To belong to these guilds, you had to participate in temple practices. So if you were not a member of a guild, it affected the way you could trade. It affected the way you could earn an income. It affected your employment. You see a hint of this with the story in the book of Acts, where Lydia, we see in Acts chapter 16, and the description that was given to Lydia, she was in Philippi, but it, the description says, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So here was Lydia, who's actually from Thyatira, 600 kilometers away. But obviously, because of the persecution, and because she refused to be part of the guild, she moved to Philippi to trade and practice her trade. And the wonderful thing is, because of that, she met Paul. And because of that, she heard the gospel. And because of that, she was the first convert in Philippi. It's amazing how when you make a stand for God, and you're loyal to God, the blessings of God follow you wherever you go. But that was a situation that the church was in, in Thyatira. Out of devotion and loyalty to Christ, the Christians did not join these guilds, but they were persecuted and denied employment as well. Now, what has that got to do with us? 
Today, we don't have guilds. The trade unions don't apply to us. Pastors don't belong to any trade union. <laughs> uh, so what, what has that got to do with us? Well, actually, plenty. Because if you look at it today, I think this message is more pertinent today than it has ever been. You know why? Because today, we have societal structures that if you don't belong to it, you are left outside of that. There's an in or out mindset that's going on in the world today. If you don't hold on to this doctrine, you're outside. If you don't hold on to this ideology, you're outside. If you don't hold, hold on to this belief system, you are outside. And so, we are forced to either agree or disagree. If you don't agree, you're out. If you agree, you're in. And so we form groups and isms that we have to belong to or not belong to. Political ideas, religious ideas, you're pro this or you're anti this. And if you're neither, you're in trouble. And we've ended up these days not only just drawing a line in the sand, we're building walls to keep the riffraff out. Now, that's going on outside the church. But when it comes into the church, that's where it's problematic. When the church begins to create an environment where you're either in or out. When the church decides who stays in and who goes out, that's a problematic situation. When the in or out spirit enters a church, we lose our ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Paul addressed that situation in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Now I say this, each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. You know, so there was a group of people who said, I follow everything Paul teaches. And if you don't follow the teachings of Paul, you're not really a Christian. The other said, nah, I follow Peter. Because Peter was the rock. If you don't follow Peter's teachings, you're out. Then the other said, no, I follow Apollos. You look how he preaches. He's so enthusiastic. That's this, this, he's a bit loud. But sometimes... He makes sense. I like Apollos teaching. Right? And so, I'm for Apollos. Then others said, nah, we are the real Christians because I'm for Christ. But you know what? That's party spirit. And you know what the Apostle Paul said? You're for Paul? What, did Paul die for you on the cross? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So he was really going strong and hard on this idea of in and out. You're in or you're out. If you don't believe this, you're out. In fact, he says this in chapter 3, verse 4. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? He's saying, you think you're making a stand for God, but actually what you're doing, you're building a wall in the church, and you're be behaving like carnal Christians. That's not spirituality. That's worldly stuff coming into the church. The in or out spirit. Basically, he was saying the gist of his teaching in Corinthians is this. Your loyalty and your devotion should be to Jesus Christ, your Lord. A person and not an ideology. A person and not a belief system. 
a person and not a group affiliation. That was a situation Thyatira was facing. They had to make a decision whether they are in or out. But Jesus gives them this commendation. Revelation chapter 2 verse 19. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Fantastic commendation. What Jesus was saying is, in spite of this challenge of having to either belong to a guild or being outside the whole economic system of the city, you have still remained devoted and loyal to me. That's what Jesus was saying to the church. Look at that. There was this inner life that was working in them, holding on to the love of God and love for others, as well as their faith to endure no matter what tough times come, we will still be loyal to Jesus Christ. Faith, love and faith. And you see it outworking in service and in patient endurance. Love being seen through service, faith being seen through patient endurance. Don't miss that last line of the commendation. Constant improvement in all these things. They were growing in love, continue to grow in faith, continue to manifest more serving Christ and manifest more patient endurance. They were more loving today than they were yesterday. They were more faithful today to Christ than they were yesterday. There was this growing transformation, ongoing transformation of their lives. Where does your loyalty lie? Whose guild do you belong to? Are you busy defending a certain doctrine or a certain belief system? And while you make that stand, are you keeping people out Are you building walls that they cannot come to experience Jesus Christ? That's a question I ask myself. I ask you, and I ask us as a community of believers. Do we come to a place where we forget that the only one we are called to be loyal to and devoted to is Jesus Christ our Lord? So the guild you belong to will determine your affections and your actions. The guild you belong to will determine your affections and your actions. If you belong to a certain belief system, it will determine your affections and your actions. But if you belong to Jesus Christ, the person, and you're devoted to him, it will will determine your affections and your actions. So that was the commendation. But then there was a concern. Jesus had a stern rebuke to this church. In fact, it was the most lengthiest rebuke among all the other churches. And the rebuke is this. I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. It is lengthier than that, but I'm just going to focus on this. Remember last time I preached, I talked about the church in Pergamum. There, Jesus used the name Balaam. Here, Jesus is using the name Jezebel. 
two distinctly different personalities representing distinctly different conditions that were happening in the church. Now, if we use gender in this situation, we'll get lost. And I see some of the commentaries getting lost because she was a woman. I think we'll get lost in that because it doesn't matter whether Balaam was male or female. The fact is that the spirit of Balaam was operating in the church in Pergamum. And it doesn't matter whether Jezebel was a male or female. It was the spirit behind that that was operating in Thyatira. And what was the spirit of Jezebel? If you go back to the book of Kings, you see that this person Jezebel married King Ahab and she positioned herself as the queen of Israel and really was practicing kingship more than anything else. She was the ruler and Ahab was more a follower. And so she positioned herself as a leader. But what she did, the wickedness that she did, is what I believe Jesus is talking about when he used this name Jezebel. And so you see this in 1 Kings, and I put the scriptures there, that she killed the prophets of Israel, replaced them with prophets of Baal and Asherah. So you see 450 prophets of Baal, 400 Asherah. She had actually removed all the prophets in Israel. And if not for God's intervention, there were 100 prophets that were kept and protected in a cave. And if not for God's intervention, the entire prophets would have been wiped out. But what she did was, she not only silenced the voice of God, the preaching of God's word, but she also spread throughout Israel all these prophets to preach this alternate way of worship, which was idol worship. So not only did she say you're in or out, she made it very clear. If you're worshipping Yahweh, you're out. If you worship idols, you're in. And so there was this divisiveness, but more than that, there was a wickedness and persecution in the midst of this divisiveness. So based on that, I look at this condition of the city and the condition of the church and saying, being part of a guild, this was what she was preaching. This was what the preaching was in the church of Thyatira. Being part of this guild, being part of a guild was a necessary evil. You can't help it. If you want to work, if you want to have an employment, you want to have an income, you've got to belong to one of these guilds. So don't worry about it. Come. Worship God on a Sunday. When you go out on a Monday, you just got to do what you got to do. That was the doctrine that was preached in that church. Now, sometimes we tend to live our Christian lives like that. In fact, that wonderful phrase, your Sunday best, isn't not just your clothing. You also come with a smile and you come together and everybody's good. We're so kind on Sunday. But whoa, when Monday comes... You join your guild <laughs> and you practice your guild practices. Christianity is not a Sunday lifestyle. Christianity is 24-7. You live your life. You're a lampstand. You're a lamp in a city. You're the light in a dark world. You live your life every day. Whether somebody is watching you or somebody is not watching you, it doesn't matter. Christianity is a lifestyle of love, 
of faith, of dedication and devotion to the one who has shown us how to live life. This prophetess who positioned herself in that church was teaching that it's a necessary evil. Don't worry about your lifestyle. Don't worry about your behavior. Do what you need to do. And if anyone thought against that teaching, she silenced those, those teachers. And so that was the condition the church was in. And the church leadership feared her and her influence so much that they were silenced and permitted her to teach and preach this dangerous doctrine. So what's the difference between Pergamum and Thyatira? What's the difference between Balaam and Jezebel? One introduced mixture into the word of God. The other replaced the word of God. And let me say this. This is the slippery slope of compromise. When there's mixture in the way we read the scriptures, eventually there will be corruption in the way we read scriptures. And so... The leadership at Thyatira had allowed that corruption to take place. And that was the significant situation the church was in. So what was the correction? Verse 23 and 25. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your works. I will put on you no other burden. Now he's speaking to the Christians. I'll put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. So the whole gist of the correction was actually quite wordy and quite significantly harsh. So I'm not going into the harshness of the word, but it is a very harsh statement Jesus uses against the preachers of the doctrine of Jezebel. But let me say this. First phrase, Jesus says, I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And so in this, I say this, the mind is the seat of decisions. And the heart is the seat of devotion. The mind is your seat of decisions. And your heart is the seat of devotion. Jesus was saying that I search your mind, but I also search your heart. I require not only a devotion to me, I require your decisions are also based on me and my teachings. A heart devoted to Christ will have a mind deciding like Christ. Can I say that again? A heart devoted to Christ will have a mind deciding like Christ. Then he says this, I will give to each one of you according to your works. I think it's important in this day and age that we remind ourselves what the Apostle Paul said. God is not mocked. What you sow is what you reap. The words we say will come back to us because they are seeds that we are planting in the environment we are living in. The actions that we do will come back to us because they are seeds that are going to bear fruit in the environment we are living in. And so the church needs to realize God is not mocked. What we sow is what we will reap. And if we speak harsh words, harsh words will return. If we live harshly, harsh things will return. And so he was very clear to the followers of Jezebel, the way you're living your life and the way you're persecuting, I will come and do the same to you. But he also says, 
to those who are following Jesus. It says, to all who are victorious, you obey me to the very end, I'll give you authority over all nations. The authority was taken away from them to be able to trade. The authority was taken away from them to be able to earn a decent income. Jesus says, I will give you back that authority because you've been faithful to me. God is not mocked. What you sow is what you reap. I will give to each one according to your works. So let me close with this question. Rather than ask you whether you're in or out, I want to ask you, are you a sheep or a goat? Let me take you to a passage of scripture as I bring this sermon to a close. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. And I trust that this will be able to bring this message that I'm um, sharing with you to, to a good conclusion. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. And when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and he will place the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality. Or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You see the continued story where he looks to the left. He goes through the same process with them. And says, you didn't do it. You saw me and you didn't do it. And they asked the same question. When did we see you? We never. If we had seen you, we would have fed you. If we had seen you, we would have clothed you. We didn't see you. And he says the same thing to them. The one, when you saw my brothers and sisters and you didn't do that, you didn't do it to me. Now let me say this. You will find some of the commentaries suggesting that he is talking about Christians. I don't think so. Because he is not saying your brothers and sisters. Jesus didn't say, when you did this to your brothers and sisters, you did it to me. He didn't say that. He said, when you did this to my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Now let me say this. Who then is he talking about? The text tells us who he's talking about. Who was his brothers? Who was his sisters that he was talking about? The one who was hungry. The one who was thirsty. The one who was naked. The one who was needing a home. The one who was in prison and in bondage. 
Those he called my brothers and my sisters. And sometimes the church's brothers and sisters are quite different from God's brothers and sisters. Are you hearing me? This is critical for us because that is what separated the goats and the sheep. Not your doctrines, not your belief systems, but whether you were doing your actions that were serving his brothers and his sisters. I told you, you cannot throw stones at me. You can only throw marshmallows. My brethren, my brethren, not your brethren. So this is the guild of Christ. You're in or out of his guild, depending on whether you are loyal to the things that matter to Christ. Let me say this again. You're in or out of Christ's guild, depending on whether you are loyal to the things that matter to Christ. I close with these statements. The guild you belong to will determine your affections and your actions. If you belong to the guilds of the world, your affections will be connected to the world. There will be carnality in the way we run our, our lives and our church. And we build walls that keep those who need Christ outside. But if your guild is Christ, and if he is the one that you're loyal to, your affections will be of Christ. And your actions and decisions will be to do with the things that matters to Christ. The church was told, hold fast to what you have. And what did they have? Love, faith, service, and patient endurance. And so my suggestion to you and me, in this world that we would consider corruption, it's one of the most corrupt generations we are living in. And if you want to defend yourself from corruption, my suggestion to you is this. Be devoted and loyal to the Christ you love and serve. Increase in your love for God and your love for others. And that will be seen through your service. Serving his brothers, his sisters, things that matter to him. Increase in your faith to God. Be patient. Endure no matter how difficult it is. But stay loyal to the Christ you have served. Devotion and loyalty is your defense against a corrupted environment. Love seen through service. Faith seen through patient endurance. So my final statement is this. Don't be a silly goat. Be a sheep who hears Christ's voice and follows him.